is you can't imagine. You reject the possibility. How do I get from here to there? How did you become a doctor? Study and practice years ago. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? Be careful which paths you travel down, strange. Stronger men than you have lost their way. Morning, Valley Real Life. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah. All right, you're kind of almost awake. Um, hey, we are in the uh, final installment of our series, Valley Real Life at the Movies. And I got to say, we've saved the best movie for last, uh, Doctor Strange. Yes, uh, there's been a little bit of confusion by some of the folks on staff who have been up here previously. Uh, for the record, uh, Doctor Strange did best Iron Man in the box office, both in terms of dollars and in profit. And it also bested uh, Ryan's two favorite movies, uh, Bring It On and Legally Blonde. So... <laughs> At some point in time, I would encourage you to ask him about that um, and talk with him about that. So uh, real quick, show of hands, who here has been at Valley Real Life for less than three years? Less than three years. Quick show of hands. Perfect. Well, it was about three years ago was the last time I spoke, so you're all the folks who are wondering who I am, and that's great. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I do want to say if you're a first-time visitor, thank you for coming in and visiting with us. I know it's hard to walk through the doors of a place that you've never been before, where you don't know what we're going to do, you don't know the process, you don't know any of that. It takes a lot to come to a new place like this, so thank you if you're a first-time visitor. Um, as for me, let me take a moment to introduce myself. My name is Jason. I've been with Valley Real Life for about 13 years now. I typically volunteer in AV, IT, video production. Anything behind the scenes is typically where you'll find me. I was on staff for a couple of years. Uh, then I went back to being a volunteer. Then I got back on staff for part-time for a year. Then I went back to being a volunteer. Now I'm back on staff again part-time. Um, so what I'm trying to do is either set a record or really annoy the accounting people. So... Um, <laughs> Um, it's good to have goals. Um, I have an amazing family. Um, we are a fun family. We have a lot of fun. 
Uh, I've been married to my wife, Lori, for 24 years, and uh, we have a wonderful son by the name of Ethan, uh, who's 18, uh, just graduated high school as valedictorian, so that was pretty cool. We're going to be, yeah, you can thank my wife for that one. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking a little bit more about him here in a few moments. As for myself, uh, recently we were asked to tell the person sitting next to us, uh, describe yourself in like two words. And uh, really what I thought about was, okay, geeky nerd is how I would describe myself. So uh, for instance, the way I would define that is a geek is a person who would say, may the force be with you. A nerd, on the other hand, would be someone who would say, may the force be equal to mass times acceleration. <laughs> I would say both, geeky nerd. So now you know a little bit about myself. Uh, as you also know, we've been giving away movie tickets uh, with each of these. So we're going to do that again today. Uh, but real quick, where are my geeks at? Yep, see, and that's about right. That's what you should expect. <laughs> Ryan would say, oh, try that again. No, 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 not geeks. Geeks were like, okay, here. Uh, we, we don't hoop and holler. So uh, what I want to do is I want to give away a movie ticket. I'm going to ask a couple of trivia questions. Um, multiple choice, pretty straightforward, um, but I need one geeky volunteer. It comes from this game, Geek Battle, that no one will play with me at home. Uh, it makes me very sad. Um, so uh, what I need is one volunteer who will come up here and answer a few uh, multiple choice questions. So raise your hand. We've got a geek. Uh, all right, you way in the back with your hand up. Yep, that's the one. Come on up. I won't tell you you're the only one that raised his hand, but um, that's, that's okay. Um, so we're going to see how you do here. Uh, what's your name? Matthew, all right, Matthew, everyone, everyone, Matthew. All right, Matthew, so here are the questions. They're multiple choice. First question, a probe threatens Earth in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, because the only thing that can respond to it no longer exists. What does the Enterprise travel back in time to fetch? Is it A, bald eagles, B, a dinosaur, C, a humpback whale, or D, a mastodon? Hump, humpback wells, and it's two of them. Nice job, very nice. <laughs> Nicely done. The other problem with this question is technically the Enterprise didn't travel back in time. It was a stolen bird of prey uh, because the Enterprise got um, blown up in Star Trek III. But anyway, I digress. No one, so, no one counts that. No one counts that. Okay, yeah. So in Star Wars episode, by the way, we're going to try and get two out of three. So you're, you're off to a great oh, start. Cool. In Star Wars episode four, A New Hope, what is described as a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Is it A, Cloud City, B, the Death Star, C, Moss Eisley Spaceport, or D, Dagobah? C, Moss Eisley. Moss Eisley Spaceport, well done. <laughs> All right, so now you, you've already earned the ticket, but let's see if we can get three out of three just for fun. All right, so his name was Jumpman when he first appeared in Donkey Kong. We now know him better as A, Link, B, Mario, C, Sonic, or D, Mega Man. Mario! Mario, look at that, look at that. I think he has earned his ticket. There you go, thank you. Nicely done. 
That's a third service special. He nailed it. That was great. So, um, so quick uh, spoiler alert regarding um, Doctor Strange. I'm going to spoil the whole movie. Okay, just so you know. Um, but you know, hey, look, it came out two years ago. So um, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, well, that's that's on you. So um, one of the other things that we're going to do too is on Thursdays we typically do something where we do text in questions. So you're going to see a phone number behind me, and if something comes up during the sermon, if there's something you're really wanting to understand more, you can text a question to that number. And what we'll do is Brad and I, at the very end of service, we're going to look at some of the questions, pick one or two of them, and actually go over them and and answer some of those questions. This is something we typically do on Thursdays. It's a lot of fun, uh, one of the things that we do. So I encourage you, uh, check out Thursdays as well. All right, so why Doctor Strange? Why would I choose this movie? Well, first, I liked the movie. Uh, So, I mean, that, that was one reason why it made it a little easy. Second, you know, I thought about other movies and I really considered Star Trek, but I wanted something maybe just a little more recent. So I looked around again and so I thought, well, maybe I should consider The Hobbit. Um, But again, I wanted something a little bit more recent. There is a pattern here, and if you're wondering what that pattern is, look for the person next to you who's laughing or is a geek and they'll explain it to you later or come see me after service. Yes, there's a pattern. Basically, in all reality, I chose Doctor Strange because I really like the journey and I really like the ending. Now, there may be some of you in here who are saying, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't they use magic in that movie? Yes. Well, kind of. Well, okay, look, it's complicated, okay? So it's, it's not like Harry Potter where magic is a, a thing, like a real actual thing that exists. In fact, I kind of like the way the, the Marvel universe handles it. They basically have it as a form of science. In fact, Arthur C. Clarke, who is a novelist, once said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Well, the ancient one in the movie kind of alludes to this. What she says is that they borrow energy from the multiverse, which conceivably, in my mind, means that what they're doing is they're taking energy from virtual particles that are popping in and out of the quantum foam, which, by the way, actually a thing. Yes, I studied quantum physics in college, so nerdy, geeky, cool, yeah. So um, magic, sure. Science, sure. Also, it's a movie, so um, moving on. Uh, So with Doctor Strange, what we know about Doctor Stephen Strange is that he is an amazing, wonderful, but very self-absorbed neurosurgeon. He has it all together. He's wealthy. He lives extravagantly. He's well-known. He's at the top of his game, and he is good at what he does, and he knows where he's going in life. Then he gets in a car wreck, and he loses the use of his hands and he loses his ability to be a surgeon, and he loses hope. So Strange's life, as he knew it, is forever changed. Now the Bible has stories like this as well. The Bible has stories of people whose lives have been changed in major ways. Uh, One of them is a story about a a man by the name of Saul. He was, Saul was a devout Jew that persecuted the early church. And when I say persecuted, I mean he put Christians to death He wanted to see them in prison. He was not a good guy. And in fact, in Acts chapter nine, it says that Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Later in Acts, Saul, speaking about himself, he says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. 
Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. And at the time, Saul, he really thought he had it all together. In fact, speaking a little bit later in Philippians, he says, as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So here was a guy who was good at what he did. He was well known, he was feared, he knew where he was going in life, but then he experienced a life-changing event as well. And so in Acts chapter nine, it says, as he, as Saul, was approaching Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Saul's life, as he knew it, was forever changed. In fact, he actually has his name changed to Paul after that. Now, this is not just something that happens in Hollywood or something that happens in Bible stories. These types of life-changing events happen to us as well, these major life-altering events. And I myself am, am no different. Uh, you see, my wife and I, we had plans. So when we were 21, we got married, we had plans. We were gonna have either two, maybe three kids. I wanted two, she wanted three. We were gonna see if we could make that whole 2.5 thing work for us. So the idea was she'd be a stay-at-home mom, she'd raise the kids until they went to school. Once they were in school, she would transition to something, full-time shopping or something. We, weren't, we didn't have it all figured out yet, but what we did know is that we had plans, but that's not the way it worked out for us. Instead, we had a tough time having one child to say nothing of having two or three. And one of the things that we noticed was when our son was three years old, we noticed that things were different for him. We noticed his interactions with other kids were different. We noticed that we had to be a little bit more proactive as parents. We had to watch the situations because he would react very, very strongly to different situations. It could be something as simple as singing happy birthday. Well, I've heard some of you sing, so actually that, that one makes sense to me. But there could be these different situations that he would react to very strongly and very negatively. And so we had to start trying to understand what is going on. And by the time he was about five years old, he was diagnosed as being high-functioning autistic. Very smart, but very socially challenged. And so our life at that point as we knew it, was forever changed. So what do you do with that? What do you do when life changes so abruptly and makes such a big turn on you like that? Well, sometimes we deny it. We push against it. We, we act like it didn't happen. We refuse to accept it. We push against it and we reject it and pretend that it's not there. Sometimes we obsess over it. We obsess over getting back to whatever normal was or whatever fixed was, and we try to control the situation. We try to intellectualize it or rationalize it or work our way through it in some way, and we obsess over it. And we try to get back to where we were, even though we know that that's not realistic. 
Other times, we let it define us. We actually see ourselves as somehow less than what we were before. We see ourselves as somehow not as good. We're more limited. We're more constrained. Whatever that broken situation, that broken relationship, that broken body, whatever it is, we let that define us. Stephen Strange in the movie did all of those things. At first, he sought doctors to heal him, to get him back to that place where he could be a surgeon again, but that didn't work. So he obsessed over it until he had lost everything. And in fact, he let it define him and let it define what he could be and what he could become. So in this next clip, we catch up with Stephen Strange trying to learn some new ways of healing. He's trying to get around this. He's been obsessing over it, so he's trying to to find a new way around it. He's going to try and use some of that borrowed multiverse energy I was talking about. But don't be fooled. He has not moved on, and he has not let go. He's still trying to control the situation. He's still obsessing over it, and he's still letting his brokenness define him. Let's take a look. Mastery of the sling ring is essential. All you need to do is focus. Visualize. See the destination in your mind. Look beyond the world in front of you. Imagine every detail. The clearer the picture, the quicker and easier the gateway will come. And stop. I would like a moment alone with Mr. Strange. Go on. My hands? It's not about your hands. How is this not about my hands? Master Hamir? Thank you, Master Hania. You cannot beat a river into submission. You have to surrender to its current and use its power as your own. Well, I, I control it by surrendering control? It doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to. Your intellect has taken you far in life, but it will take you no further. Surrender, Stephen. Silence your ego, and your power will rise. So Strange focused on the wrong things, and we can do that sometimes as well. We focus on the brokenness rather than focusing on the opportunity. And when my son was diagnosed, that was one of the things I struggled with. I focused a lot on many of the wrong things, and I thought about those things. I I wondered, what is this going to do to our relationships? We had already seen that it affected our relationships with other families who had kids of a similar age. Playdates were much more complicated. It was something that we knew would affect our relationships with others. How would this affect how I raise him? I didn't have a lot of great father figures growing up in life, and so the prospect of being a father to a son was already daunting to me. I was already concerned about how I was going to do that. How was I going to be a father to a son on the autism spectrum when I know nothing about it? So I was very concerned about how I would raise him. How would it affect his schooling? We had already been interacting with the school district and we knew that they they struggled having somebody who was intelligent, 
but socially challenged, whose behaviors didn't fit within what would be normal in a classroom. I wondered what would this do to his potential as a sports hero? Okay, not really. That, that, that last one, no. Um, that was never really a thing for us. Um, we're really not a sports family. I, I learned most of my things about sports at church uh, when Dan tells me what jersey I need to wear or whatever else. Uh, I'm really more of a, you know, kick the ball into the hoop, touchdown, five points kind of a guy. So <laughs> the point was I focused on all the wrong things. And you see, God wants us to look at things differently. He wants us to focus on the right things. So you, you remember the blinding light that uh, Saul saw in his conversion? Well, some Bible scholars believe that that actually permanently affected his eyesight. Yes, he regained his eyesight, but they believe that it damaged his eyesight for the rest of his life. There are a number of passages that kind of tie into that. One of them is in Galatians, where Paul says, "'Surely you remember that I was sick "'when I first brought you the good news.'" But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. In fact, some have gone so far as to believe that the thorn in Paul's side that he talks about is relating to his eyesight. When he says in 2 Corinthians, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. So what was Paul's attitude in all of that? Well, initially, he started by asking God to remove it, to fix it, to get past it. If you continue reading in 2 Corinthians, it says three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And I want you to know that's okay. We should go to God boldly. When things happen, we should go to him and say, hey, what is up with this situation? What is going on here? Is this something that can be fixed? Is this something that can be turned around? But here's the key. We don't want to get stuck there. So how did Paul react to God's answer? Well, if you continue reading, it says, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. So Paul continued to suffer, but he had the right focus. And over time, I've learned how to focus as well. Now, I'm not perfect, very far from, but I've learned a lot about how God sees me and how he views me, his patience for me, his understanding of me, his love for me. I've learned a lot too about being a good father by seeing how God is a father to me. I've also learned a lot about being a a better person and a better human. You know, it's interesting, as you take someone who's on the autism spectrum through social interactions, you actually learn a lot about the value of how you interact with other people. In fact, it was just a a few months back, we were out in the lobby, and uh, someone came up to my son and said, hey, Ethan, good to see you. My son kind of looked at his hand. Okay. Okay which, believe me, is progress. The fact that he even shook his hand, that was progress. So I, I, I took him aside afterwards and I said, hey, hey bud, when, when someone says, good to see you, you say, good to see you too. But I didn't want to see him. <laughs> Fair, um, but it's still what we say. It's a social norm. You, you say, good to see you. But then I'd be lying and you told me not to lie. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, you got, you got a really good point there. 
In fact, just as a side note, a lot of our social interactions, what you find is we lie to each other a lot. Um, it does make you wonder who's socially challenged. Is it him or us? I'll leave that one with you guys. Take home. I've also learned a lot about what really matters. A couple of years after our son was diagnosed, um, <clears throat> I was at a, uh, a rehearsal dinner, filming uh, a rehearsal dinner for a wedding, and um, I was watching some of the kids playing, and I saw this woman interacting with one of the kids in a very specific way. And she was being very proactive and very protective, but not in a protective parent kind of way, in a very specific way. I don't know how to describe it, except to say I recognized it. And I recognized it as, okay, that is how I interact with my child. Well, we got to talking, and she had mentioned, yeah, these ones are mine, and, and she asked if I had any. I said, well, I've got one. Uh, he's at home, great kid, high-functioning autistic, uh, but just a whole lot of fun. And she said, whoa, what, tell me about that. So I told her a little bit about our son's interactions and what we had to do as parents and some of the situations that we observed and some of the, the protective measures we had to take. And she said, you're describing my son. That is exactly my son. How, are, how do you do it? It's tearing my marriage apart. My husband and I were at, at our end. How do you do it? And so I told her, I said, it's not me. It's a God thing because I don't, I don't know enough. I, I don't think we, my wife and I, could get through it if it weren't for that. If it weren't for the support that we have through our care group, through our church, through others, it's absolutely a God thing. And he has sent us a lot of great people along the way. We talked a bit more about that. We talked a little bit about therapists. We talked about these different things. She went on and played with the kids. About an hour later, an older gal came up to me and said, hey, that was my daughter that you were talking to. You need to know something. She's not a believer. And in fact, we're not even allowed to talk about God or Christ or church or any of those things. She shuts us down every time. And you just talk to her. Thank you. In that moment, I realized, oh, it's not about me. It's not even about my son. It's about reaching the unreachable. It's about being put into situations where I can love others and introduce them to Christ in places where they otherwise wouldn't be able to get to meet him. Nothing in my situation changed, but my focus did change. You see, God uses broken people and broken situations because he wants to spend eternity with all of us. And when I say all of us, I don't just mean all of us in this room. I mean all of us on the planet. All of us who have ever been, all of us who ever will be, he wants to spend eternity with all of us. And sometimes that means that he will inconvenience the saved in order to reach the lost. He'll use broken situations. He'll use broken relationships. He'll use broken bodies. Whatever it takes to reach everyone, he will use it. And here's the thing. He may leave you that way. He may leave you with some of that brokenness so you can continue to reach others. In fact, I liked the end of the Doctor Strange movie. I really liked the ending of it. Because here we have Doctor Strange, and, and he's defeated the bad guys, and, and he's looking epic. He's saved the world. He's got that cool cape that does all kinds of cool things. And he's, just, he's taking on this new role as a protector. But here's the thing. He's still broken. He puts on a broken watch. And as he does so, his hands still shake. 
His hands still have the scars of that brokenness. He is never going to be a surgeon again. He's never going to get back to that. He wanted to, but he'll never get back to it. Nevertheless, despite still being broken, he's the hero. His brokenness no longer defines who he is. That's why I really like the end of the movie and the way it ends. In fact, Paul's brokenness didn't define him either. In Philippians chapter four, he says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So Strange discovered that he wasn't limited by his hands. He could still be the hero. He could still save the day. Paul discovered that he wasn't limited by that thorn that was in his side. He could still reach people in any situation. I discovered that it wasn't about me. It was about using my life as a bridge to reach other people. So my question to you today is, what will you discover? In the broken situations, relationships, bodies, whatever it is, whatever that thing is in life, what will you discover? Because here's the thing, you are not defined by your brokenness. And if there's one thing I want you to walk away with today, it's that. It's that you are not defined by your brokenness. You are defined by God. And the good news is that God says you are his child. That is the thing that you can put your money on. That is the thing that can give you hope. Because you can do amazing things through Christ because of that. Because God has said you are his child. You are not defined by that brokenness. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all that you do in our lives. I thank you, God, that we are not defined by the broken situations, the broken relationships, any of those things, God. We are defined by you. And God, I thank you that you have taken us in as your children. I thank you, God, that we are yours and you have made us yours. God, I know that sometimes situations are difficult, but you're in them so that we can use them to reach the lost. And God, I pray that you would give hope and give strength and give boldness to everyone here today that is struggling in that area. God, thank you again for making us your children and thank you for your son who makes all of that possible. It's in his name we pray, amen.